Before we get started, hi, it's Manny Faces, the audio engineer, sound design maestro, the orchestrator and architect of this audible masterpiece that you hear now, I think, 38 times a week. Um, anyway, if you were hoping to hear Max 99's brilliant, undoubtedly, takedown, uh, dissection, breakdown, discussion about the Supreme Court's leaked document uh, decision opinion thingy, whatever, you're not going to get it. We recorded this just before it happened. So I'm sure you're going to hear about it soon, but just wanted to throw that caveat out to you. All right, now let's get this party started. Hey, welcome to Show Notes. Good to be back with all of you and especially with my good, dear friend, 99. Welcome back. Thank you. Wasn't gone for very long. No, just a few days. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for the unfuckers, it feels like an eternity. That's true. Right? Yeah. So in the Texas 28th. Jessica Cisneros has been outraising incumbent shitbag Henry Cuellar in the past couple of months, and that is very good news. I don't know how much unfuckers are adding to that total, but I have a feeling it's not insignificant. So a lot of this, though, is being aided by the FBI raid on Cuellar's office, which, though the FBI has explicitly stated that Cuellar himself is not the target of any investigation, it certainly dampened some of the enthusiasm around him, which is fine for our purposes at least but as you can imagine big money donors from inside the democratic establishment as we talked about last week have been kind of making up for the lost dollars and pouring some towards him because he sits on some really cherry committees so it's going to be an interesting one but Cisneros who came close to taking him out the last time has some momentum on her side early voting if you're in the 28th in Texas by the way is from the 16th to the 20th the primary is on the 24th. So if you know somebody in the district, reach out, make sure they get out the vote. Even early would be better just to make sure that we slam this one home. And uh, I just want to thank everybody who's reached out to say that they have supported Jessica Cisneros primary bid. So great stuff, everybody. Thank you. Now, we had a ton of feedback on our Dem Bums episode, ranging from no shit Sherlock to this stuff is more fucked up than I thought. So I guess mission accomplished. And unfuckers have been really supportive of us splitting show notes and our new feature, Topical Cream. Ew. And as our Scottish friend noted, each new topical drop should be referred to as an application rather than an installment. Ew. So in the spirit of making it even more disgusting, we shall make it so. 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 So, as I told you, 99 was on the road a bit last week, and it's good to be together again. I don't have to stare at my empty chairs and empty table. Did you like that treatment that Manny put in there at the end? I did, I, and I got it. Since I told you, I just saw it for the first time. Adorable, right? Yeah. There you go. Little Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, oh, I, I adore him. I didn't mm-hmm. see him in the role initially, but then watched the film and thought he was uh, thought he was magnificent. To use a really big, bold, Broadway type of word, it was magnificent. (laughs) So I have to thank you, because when I came in, there was a four-pack of my favorite beer sitting on my desk, which you grabbed from your travels, which was not like a vacation or, you know, you were actually busy as shit, but you still made the time to bring me back a four-pack of Hetty Topper. God bless you for that. It's actually two Headies and two Focal Bangers. They're another beer from Alchemist. And how is the Focal Banger? Good. It's one of their like other most popular ones. So I wanted to 
mix it up a little bit for you. Incredible. Incredible. Heady Topper, if you've never had one, if you're not a Northeasterner, because it's pretty much only available in and around the brewery. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah. they stretch out a little bit, right? Yeah, they do distribute a little bit. You can get it kind of anywhere in Vermont now, and they distribute to some of the states surrounding, and sometimes if they have overflow pallets or something, they will ship up to New York or ship down, rather. And 99 knows that that was the beer that got me, that really hooked me, that really got me into beer, where I, I tasted it for the first time and said, oh, I didn't know it could be like this. Yeah, that's how I feel about it now, where I've had better beers, but it is consistently delicious and drinkable, and I always know what to expect, and I always know I'm going to get something good. So even though beer has evolved past the heady topper style, mm-hmm. it, does, it holds a special place in my heart. So you weren't like a way away. You weren't, you know, vacationing or you had to dip out. You had some shit to take care of. But do you feel like you were able to at least relax for like a minute and no, like clear your absolutely head? absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not. I, everything's okay. My sister moved and I went and helped her. We were in Vermont. So, I mean, I sort of gave that away by getting heady topper. Um, so it was sad. But, you know, it was a lot of wrangling the dog because she has a dog, the vegan dog in question. He's just in bed and then he got up and started barking. Shh. What? I want to be vegan. What? I want to be a vegan dog. Not a relaxing trip, but... You know, I have the relaxing version of it planned later on to visit her. We're going to catch some live music in Vermont. So I wasn't expecting to relax, so it's okay. Are you going to smoke a lot of the Mary Jane? I mean, what's different from every (laughs) other day? We're smoking right now. Our our studio looks like um, that 70s show. I was going to say Cheech and Chong's van, but yeah. Age. Or Spicoli's van. Yeah. Am I getting closer to... Today. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think it's fine. Okay. Well, one of them, what's his face, is in that 70s show. The one who wound up being a pedophile? Is one of them a pedophile? Uh, the Francis is uh, Francis from Malcolm in the Middle, his brother's in that show with the curly oh. hair. Oh. Not a pedophile, he, uh, but he's a. Oh, he, he's rapey. Yeah, he's a Scientologist, Danny Masterson. He's a Scientologist? Oh, too? yeah, big time. That, I mean, that they protected him, that's why. So. Oh. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking about Cheech and Chong. Oh, sorry. I think. Chong is in that 70 show, I believe. Oh, I Laura Prepon really is also a Scientologist. Who the fuck is that? Donna, the redhead. Donna? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, both big time Scientologists. For real? Yeah. And Elizabeth Moss, she was just in the news this week. I saw that and I yeah. that's from Handmaid's Tale and, and Mad, Mad Men. Men, right? Yeah. And I had no idea, did you? I when I was watching Mad Men, I didn't. I found out later and it's very upsetting. I mean, I, I haven't seen Handmaid's Tale because I think it would be too... I know the premise, but I don't mm. really want to put myself through it emotionally because mm-hmm. I know I'd be uh, just sad. But... You come in here and just stab yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So people... I feel like... Every, I mean, that's what everyone's saying. Like, how can you be this person in this dystopian show, but also just live that in your real life? Incredible. She was raised in it, so it's not her fault. I mean, you're groomed from birth i had no idea yeah but she's like we're not we're not closed off people can think what they want and i'm like oh because <laughs> they tell them don't read anything bad don't answer any questions it's just disappointing to see because she's so talented she's amazing peggy is like for for my money she held that show together yeah like don and draper Joan. great but 
Bow Joan was pretty amazing. They're all great. I know. They're all great. Even Pete Campbell was such face? a perfect dickhead. Cooper. What's his name? The older. Oh, yeah. yeah he just yeah, passed away. That's right. He was old. Yeah. You know, yeah, he did still his time. Sad. It is sad. Yeah. Well, he, he got that one last shot at fame, right? He was f- very famous before. Was he very famous? Yeah, he's like a renowned Broadway star, I believe. Oh, you know. <laughs> You're going to offend some people, mm. especially some close mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, but shut the fuck up. Did you know that, I forget who he played on the show, the British guy? What's his name? Yes. The one who hung himself. Yes. Who hanged himself. Yes. Do you know he's Richard Harris's son? We we talked about we that. We did? V- yes, and and I was stunned. It's my by favorite that. fact. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean they look alike though, which is And he played such a badass in one of the Sherlock movies. Mm. Like he played a really You're the good only villain. One who saw those. I didn't even see it all the way through. The Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock? Yeah. Yeah, you're the only one. <laughs> People don't like those? So, I mean, I don't I don't have any negative opinions. I don't think they're box office blockbusters. Hmm. Wasn't that like Soderbergh or something? Wasn't it somebody big? I don't know. Oh, whatever. Weird. Watch Sherlock. That's your homework. Now that o- Yeah. Now that Ozark's ending. I, yes, and no spoilers because I, I have watched not it. watched Ozark, fuckers. I haven't watched the ending of it yet, but uh, you know why? Because we're busy with this? Yes, this <laughs> show just takes up that much time. Yeah, especially when good. I meander about Scientology for 10 minutes. It's all good. Well, let's get to it. First of all, so many unfuckers answered your call. You opened the last episode with all the different ways that unfuckers could just support the show that wasn't necessarily monetarily, but people, you know, really came. I mean, they just showed up. They made it happen both monetarily and in the ways that you enumerated. So some great new follows, a lot of good social activity this week. We got a ton of emails, just just a lot of a lot of love and a lot of interaction. So thank you, Unfucker Universe, for making that happen. And thank you, 99, for putting the call out there. And uh, let's get into episode feedback from the Dem Bums episode and a few people that have called out prior episodes as well. First of all, on email, P. Slippery is back. P. Slippery hasn't gone anywhere, just, you know, a little quiet lately, but wanted to weigh in about Oregon. How'd I do? Oregon. 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 P. Slippery said, There was another thing you guys mentioned that really stopped me in my tracks when you said that this no-name already has a $7 million ad buy out there. That was shocking. I haven't heard a single radio spot. By the way, P. Slippery works in radio, so very close to it. Which was surprising to hear how much they've spent in the market. $7 million is a huge buy out here. $7 million is a big buy in any congressional district, so I dig that. P. Slippery goes on to say, I went over to a friend's house to talk about what I heard. He actually lives south of me in the new 6th district, and yet he also hadn't heard of this guy yet. So we're talking about Carrick Flynn. And both of us are pretty tuned into local politics. We then opened up YouTube on his computer to see if we could hear this cat speak and immediately was hit with a pre-roll commercial for this rice cake motherfucker. You know, rice cakes. You know you're eating something, but there's no flavor. Yeah, this politician. He was being introduced by a mayor of a smaller city who doesn't hold sway over a bingo hall. He looks like a kid, and the motto of the ad was something stupid like progress, not politics. What they're doing just doesn't work out here. Portland is a strange market. All of that outside of Oregon money is burning money on shit that would work elsewhere, but isn't going to have nearly the reach that they want here. So that's interesting because we were talking about how the billionaire from the Bahamas, this, uh, this crypto fuck, poured all of this money. And by the way, this isn't the only 
marketplace that this asshole is pouring money into. This guy's uh, trying to buy a few Congress people along the way, which isn't shitty at all. You know, being based in based in the Bahamas and hiding your taxes and being a crypto billionaire and then trying to buy American Congress people to obviously get some sort of crypto legislation passed isn't all buying democracy, right? I mean, that's totally legit. We should be in favor of that, no? Anyway, so $7 million poured into the Oregon market, not moving the needle, apparently, but we'll see come primary day. So hopefully, hopefully it doesn't succeed. And it shows that the good old ground game, the good old get out the vote and progressive energy can outmatch these fuckwits who are putting money behind bullshit candidates. And then Flair, who's also our friend from Oregon, Oregon. said, I knew you could do it. You pronounced Oregon. Did I do it? What is it? O- or- Oregon. Oregon. It's almost like or- Oregon. Or- like we would say Oregon. Oregon. You know, play the organ. You pronounced Oregon perfectly in the pod this week. And I'm so glad you covered Carrick Flynn. I'm so sick of hearing his fucking ads. There you go. And Blumenauer rocks. Blumenauer does rock. Unfuckers, get hip to Earl Blumenauer. Let's make Earl Blumenauer a thing. Seriously, let's make him the new Bernie. I think he's like a year younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Trying to think of a... Well, we have Uncle Gnome. We have mm-hmm. Bernie. Mm-hmm. Is there like a nickname? Oh. For like three old nerdy white dudes? Oh, you mean like the... I was thinking the trio? specifically. Hmm. Yeah. Let's think on that. Okay. I really would put him into my pantheon of great older, like, I don't know how old he is. The guy could be 50. The guy could be there's my age no for all way. I know. No, there's no way. Uh, yeah, but Earl Blumenauer does rock. Flair, thanks for, for weighing in. It's good to hear from you. William he's Ann. He's 73. He's 73. Oh, he's a kid. Whoa. <laughs> I'm a child and he's a kid? He's a kid. Okay. He's a kid. A little adolescent. Hello. I'm Congressman Earl Blumenauer. William N. weighed in saying federal regulations in the trucking industry and requirements of electronic logging devices have seen to it and is proof that government intervention and regulations work and provide safer working conditions. That's right. One of the interesting things in the trucking industry over the last several years, I don't know when these regulations took effect, but is not letting these long haul drivers stay on the road for too long. And the electronic monitoring devices really do ensure that. And it is about providing safe conditions, not, I mean, think about it, not just for the driver, but for everybody else on the road so that these guys aren't, you know, don't have to take fucking speed to stay up, to hit their deadlines, to go cross country, and then endanger everybody else on the road as well. It's a great example of federal regulations that make sense into an area that provides a public benefit, but also looks out for the working class. Now, William N. did say, I would gladly provide more information and insight where I can and would love to be part of the conversation about marijuana use in the trucking industry. Have a wonderful day. Trucker unfucker out. So, William Men, I hope you're pulling the rig on a long haul drive. Is that a, is that good vernacular? Good trucker vernacular? Do I, have I told you I speak trucker? No, yeah. I don't. Now, do you remember BJ and the bear? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember it because those are foreign words. I know the separate separate oh, words. God, I loved that show. That's a show? Yeah, it was a show. Is it a kid's show? No. It's it? about a trucker named BJ and his 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 pet monkey, chimp chimpanzee bear. BJ was
was a happy-go-lucky trucker who would haul anything for a price. You are the guy, aren't you? The guy who hauls anything anywhere for a buck and a half a mile, no questions asked? But this time, his cargo was 11 young women escaping from a white slavery gang. Sheriff Lopo runs the whole thing. Please help us. And does he ever? We got him now. But roadblocks mean nothing to B.J. McKay, an ex-POW and helicopter pilot from Vietnam. Claude Akins and Penny Visor star. B.J. and the Bear next Wednesday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. Anyway. Animal beefs. Anyway. No, that actor was paid. The monkey? Yes. What kind of monkey was he? Trained. I don't know. He's like a fucking chimpanzee or something. He was awesome. How big was it? I mean, he was big enough that he was hanging out in the rig with, uh, with well, BJ. It could be like a little spider monkey. No. Not like a little. No, not so like, like a an, Ross monkey. Like an ape. It was like a real chimp, man. Real, a real big, chimp a, man? Real big one. Okay. He's awesome. All right. He's fucking bear. I'm sure he got scale. <laughs> Do you have a sad card? Probably. So William is responding to... We were talking... I forget which episode we were talking about it in, but we were talking about marijuana regulation and how the government's going to probably fuck it up because they're going to go for the profits first and then try to figure out all the things that are fucked related to you know recreational use back into the box afterwards and do it sloppily, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that I was expressing was I imagine that flying a plane or driving a driving a rig across country high. Oh, we were talking about drug testing, right? Federal drug testing. So I think there are use cases, practical use cases that we can look at for that. But it gets into the, well, if I finish my flight and I'm not going to be flying for the next two days or if like, you know, can I go home and smoke a joint? Like that's where we got to figure out like, yeah, you should be able to do that kind of stuff, but can't be high when you're doing your, your job job. Anyway. Sam E. said, on occasion, you have mentioned some interest and ideas regarding the need for some unfucking of the healthcare industry, and I couldn't agree more. The monetization of healthcare has created a self-fulfilling economy of rewarding illness and treatment without promoting well-being and health, particularly in the United States. The healthcare system has effectively created its own cradle-to-grave pipeline, which ultimately functions similarly to the prison system in this country. Both are rewarded handsomely when their beds are full of, quote, paying customers. Now, Sam gives us a couple of great resources. So if it's all good with you, 99, maybe we can put those up into the bookshop. Why is American Healthcare So Expensive by Harvey Singh? Behind the Healthcare Curtain by Bob G. Shoop. And Why Healthcare Costs So Much by David Brown. We'll look into each one of those. And if they kind of fit the narrative that we're looking to pursue, then we'll definitely go and order them. And if you want to kind of get ahead of us and see what it's like to try and get into our minds to script an episode, maybe that maybe that's a good one to do. So I think this this is a great episode for us to do. This does help us narrow in on, I think, the overarching narrative around it. And we've spoken before about the natural friction that exists in the healthcare industry when it is a for-profit industry, because the incentives within the system are wholly misaligned. If keeping patients really well and preventative care is better and and is more indicative of a true healthcare system, then that doesn't align with profit incentives of institutions that are private. That's why this whole system, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And that's why the cowardice of not being able to call for a Medicare for all type of system where we all have the kind of coverage, but we take away the individual incentives for the hospitals, for the doctors, for the specialty physicians, the pharmacy companies, the pharmaceutical companies, the PBMs, and all the places in the middle that extract money out of the system, 
these things don't align well with patient care. So it's a great episode to do. We do have to kind of pick a lane in it because it's so broad. And maybe these books will help us tease it out. So thank you for sending those resources. And one day we will have to do our mental health unfucking as well. If we do a healthcare, that'll be a good building block because we've had a lot of requests for that episode as well. Yeah. And I think unless I'm wildly off the mark here, that is a great 80s show for us to do Mm. uh, of how we took people out of institutions that weren't working. Thanks, Reagan. Put them on the streets and put them and and their families in peril, then took away any sort of safety net structure for them to be able to seek any sort of outside help. And it's, it's one of those things where the right was able to say, well, this isn't working and be correct in saying so by institutionalizing people. Well, that wasn't the way to go. But the answer to that wasn't, well, then just fucking send everybody and let them on the street. But it's one of those things where you can get caught up easily in the debate and the right feels vindicated in saying, well, so you'd what, rather institutionalize everybody and treat them as psychopaths on medication and not treat them as prisoners? If that's your answer to it, it's like, ugh, that's not the answer. It's a great layered discussion and I think it would be a perfect episode for us to do. So Alex S. from McFleshman's weighed in with some military film complex (laughs) episode feedback. And he said, the movie I would challenge anyone to watch and watch again and suggest is the best war film ever made is Takahata's 1988 Grave of the Fireflies. Mm. It's a semi-autobiographical short story of war orphans from the firebombing of a Japanese town in in 1945. And it's far and away the most vivid and devastating portrayal of the after effects of that tragic conflict. You almost channeled Bobby McDee there. 1945. I was reading the word far. <laughs> 1945. Farty. <laughs> That's a great. Su- I've never heard of it before. It's a great suggestion. I know the studio, but I don't know this one. Okay. Is that helpful? Yeah. <laughs> to know that it's a like an actual thing. No. Why would you know that though? What do you mean? Why would you know like this the the genre that came out of this studio? Well, it's very famous. So unfuckers. It's not even on my radar. Studio. It's G H I B L I. I don't know if it's if the H is silent or pronounced, and that's why I haven't said it because I don't want to sound stupid. So, <laughs> Studio Ghibli. Ghibli. I don't know which one it is, but I'm very I'm familiar with their work. It's like a. I'm going to say anime. I don't know if that is... A purist might not agree with me there. I'm not sure what the, the, the genre is, but there's a lot of really famous, like, Spirited Away came from there. Mm. I actually think all of them are on HBO Max now, and that was, like, a big deal because they hadn't really been widely available. And it's, like, beautiful, beautiful art and animation and storytelling. So I'm not familiar with this specific movie. Is this anime? Do you think? I believe... I would, I would imagine if oh, it's from... Shit. Let's see... It's so funny. I am. I have no awareness. I feel like that's one of those universes. Like you, when you're in it, you're in it. And if you're not, you really have no awareness of it. It's like me talking to my dad about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> He's tell me again of this 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 crazy podcasting thing. It where it happens. <laughs> the top people also ask is why is Grave of the Fireflies so sad. <laughs> The Wikipedia says it is an animated war tragedy film, so I don't know if it's specifically considered anime, but... Alex, thank you for the suggestion. I think that's very cool. I'm going to try to check that out. Hmm. Well, Mike B. then piles on there and says, regarding the military film complex, 
I don't think you can discuss war and myths without including H. Bruce Franklin's book, MIA, or Mythmaking in America. This is kind of a scandalous comment. I want to dig in here. It's about the myth created by Nixon and right-wing groups that there were American soldiers held against their will by the Vietnamese after the Vietnam War. This lie, popularized by movies like Uncommon Valor, helped the American public to get over the Vietnam War syndrome and learn to love overseas military adventures again. Holy fuck. So there's something I'd never contemplated before. The ubiquitous POW flag. It's interesting to think how much you've seen that flag throughout your life and the stickers and the patches. And I imagine that this book is sort of trying to strip away or is basically claiming that there's mythology behind POWs, which, oof, I have no comment on it other than to say I'm fascinated already and I would love to read the book. If it was truly part of the war rehabilitation process and completely overstated, then there's a lot of people out there that were really taken in by that mythology and it was very effective. Or it's like a real phenomenon. Like I I, I have no sense. But this is, a, it's a really interesting comment that as soon as I read it, it really, it kind of set me back on my heels and it's something that I definitely want to understand a little bit more about. Uh, and Hansi K said, recently listened to the infrastructure bill and Caribbean episodes and had an episode idea. Ooh, this is a good one. I strongly suspect the Army Corps of Engineers are huge fuckers who have committed massive episode-worthy fuckery over the years, and a timely topic going forward since their work past and future will have an impact on how much we suffer from or how well we adapt to climate change. One of the best books I've read, one in which the Corps of Engineers plays a big role, is Rising Tide, The Great Mississippi Flood of 1927 and How It Changed American History by John M. Barry. We'll definitely put that up in the bookshop as well. Then we heard from Josh T., who said greetings from Western New York. My friend Dan G. introduced me to UNFTR last year. I started with the LGBTQ plus episode and immediately knew I was an unfucker. I've listened to every podcast, most twice, and some three times, like the April 9th episode. Today I was permanently exiled from the Buffalo Bills subreddit after posting the episode on the day of the NFL draft, well knowing done. full well I would be kicked out. This happened way faster than I thought, and I'm still laughing at the mod's white fragility. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you or any other unfuckers know of any planned demonstrations opposing the new Bills Stadium. First of all, Josh, we applaud your effort there in getting kicked out of the subreddit. And unfuckers, if you're up in western New York and are planning to demonstrate against the new stadium, let Josh know. And unfucker Lee, or Leah, said, Hello, unfuckers, I'm a nurse in a small coastal town in B.C. British Columbia, all right. Called Powell River. Unkanaka Leah gives us a little bit of insight into the Powell River name, by the way. So here she goes. I wanted to say a little bit about what truth and reconciliation is looking like in Canada from what I've seen. I do think steps are being made in the right direction and people are starting to become more aware of the seedy underbelly of Canada's colonial history. But for every person who wakes up and gives a shit, it feels like there are at least three who give zero fucks. Case in point, Powell River. Powell River is named after a truly despicable joke of a human being named Israel Power. He was actually a doctor who... Israel Power. Power. Israel Power. Yes. Named Israel Powell. He was actually a doctor who turned his evil eye of Sorhan towards civilizing indigenous children. He was pretty instrumental in the creation of the residential school systems and also served as the superintendent of Indian Affairs in BC for over 15 years. Our town is named after this piece of garbage 
and there's been talk of changing the name as part of Truth and Reconciliation. And civilizing is in quotes. Yes, Quote, it is. Quote, civilizing. Yes. <laughs> Just want to... It's a good point. Yeah. Hey, really fun fact. Uh, I have a very, very close relative of mine that lives in none other than Powell River. I've been there. So, shouts to Tony Papa and everybody up in Powell River, even though your name sucks. Beautiful place. Yes, well, Unfucker Leah, thank you for telling us the history of Powell River, and I hope that you are all successful in your efforts to change the name of that. It's called Uncanucker River. Uncanucker River. I like it. Wait, did she propose the name? A few years ago, the Powell River Regional District was renamed Gathit. Regional District. Gathit means working together in the local indigenous language. There has been all sorts of pushback from many Powell River residents about why the name of the town should remain Powell River, blah, 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 as it usually is, until the names change, and then everybody's fucking fine with it because they forget. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's like the whole mascot thing. It's like, I want my mascot. We want to be called the Red Fucking Indians. Like, you know, I want to be called the the Marauders and the, you know, the Native Marauders. Like, stop. Change the fucking name, and you'll get over it. Like that minute. It's like the Washington Redskins. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. It's the Washington football team or whatever they're going to call themselves. They the, it's over. they call themselves the commanders? Yeah, whatever they're going to call. I, I don't I don't actually remember what they call I themselves. I think but, it's the commanders. But who gives a shit? And you know what? A bunch of fucking old white dudes are going to be like, they're still the Redskins to me. And you, you know what's going to happen to those guys? They'll die. They're going to die. And then that'll be that. Clock's ticking. 75. That's right. Tick tock. 99 taking all of us out. Mm-hmm. Although I'm going to go hide in a bucket. She promised she'd hide me in her wall. <laughs> <laughs> and Pat McGee, Patrick McGee, as you know, I'm one of those who's given up on the Democratic Party. 99, you want to carry this out? Yeah, well, if you stop scratching Sorry. your head in the mic. <laughs> he says, witness the U.S. response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, an invasion which I condemn, as I also condemn more numerous American past and current acts of foreign aggression. The response was lockstep support for an ever-escalating supply of arms, U.S. and NATO advisors and training, and of course, siege warfare sanctions. Over and over, I hear it expressed that these kinds of things never get out of hand and that we know exactly how far we can push Putin before he starts pushing nuclear buttons. Amazing. To my knowledge, no one in the government or in the mainstream media has advocated seriously for a less belligerent response. It seems to me that luminaries like Chris Hedges, Noam Chomsky, have a better handle on the underlying causes and solution to the Russian invasion, but of course their viewpoints are never presented and often are actively censored. We get a lot of feedback. Chris Hedges is in the people are mad when we talk about Chris Hedges, right? Are they? I, I don't know. Is he in the group? Or is it just Taibbi and Glenn it, It's just Glenn, yeah. And Ta- Matt Taibbi, I think. And Taibbi, yeah. yeah. Okay, I just... Hedges typically stays a little apart from the fray. And I don't always love Chris, but for the most part, I, I respect where he's coming from. I've, I've often thought of writing like a satirical Hedges column because a lot of it is the, is the same with a lot of overblown empire ending flowery language. And then you throw in like a handful of Latin references mm. here and there. And the fact is he's smarter than most and has not just the chops, but the experience to back up what he's saying. He was a war correspondent for two decades. War respondent. He was a war respondent. And he's the scars to prove it. And he's also really fucking smart. And history is on his side after having been thrown out of the times. 
when he was the only voice at the New York Times that was against the invasion of Iraq. So he's got all the credibility in the world, as far as I'm concerned, and still does. And I, I want to stay here for a second because this is creating such consternation in the American public. And it has nothing to do with us, but it does kind of bring to the surface a lot of questions of empire, who we are, what future we're going to play, and how this all plays out. Because here's a nuclear power that has said publicly, oh no, we'll use them if we see fit. We're taking over Ukraine. We are engaged in this bombing campaign. We have propaganda rolling at home to gain support on our side. And the world doesn't know what the fuck to do. Where I align with the Chomskys and the Hedges, the Biden administration knew it was coming. And most pundits, including Chomsky Hedges, what none of them saw coming was Putin pulling the trigger. They really didn't. And I believe that he genuinely surprised the fuck out of everybody. Everybody except the Biden administration that had inside intelligence that this was going to happen. And from day one, it was about how do we stay out of the conflict, yet ensure that Ukrainians can defend themselves. And the narrative never took hold that we should be the ones routinely calling for calm. Now, part of this, I think, is because we want to see Putin deposed. We're hoping somebody simply takes him out. That's a lot of the narrative on Fox. Some of the narrative on Fox is we shouldn't be involved in all. Fuck it. Let them blow each other up. It's their problem. And they have a right to Ukraine. I mean, that's some of the insane, bizarre narrative at Fox. But the larger perspective here is how are we not every day calling for a diplomatic solution to this crisis? There has to be a better way. So that what they're saying is it, it's not that we want to, quote, negotiate with a madman. They've been as much a client state as anybody's been a client state of ours since the fucking curtain went down. So you can't just say we don't want to negotiate with them because we've been doing business with them for fucking 30 years. But the problem is that we've put ourselves in this position by saying that we're going to give everything to the people surrounding them to always keep them in check. And the minute that they then become belligerent, we're out of aces because we fucked this thing up for so many years. So you want to censor Hedges and Chomsky and say that they're just against the American empire, pure and simple. That's really not a leg to stand on. What we should be advocating for is saving Ukrainian lives, not arming untrained Ukrainian civilians who will eventually be led to slaughter because the Russians have just greater military might. We can arm them to the teeth all we want, but it's not going to train them. It's not going to tell them how to use all these weapons. I mean, where the fuck is our diplomatic edge? Teddy Roosevelt, like we talked about it, like, you know, but for better or for worse. He, right now, he'd be in Kiev. He'd be like, come on, let's fucking drink. Let's talk. Figure this shit out. Or he'd be trying to go to war with everybody. You know, but Macron, right, was, was trying to be the arbiter and he was dismissed unceremoniously because nobody gives a fuck about France. Sorry. But the United States? Like, how is President Xi? How is there not a meeting with President Xi and President Biden, putting all the differences aside, going to Vladimir Putin and saying, you got to stop. You got to stop because then neither one of us are going to do business with you. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with us? 
Say, we can't do anything. We can't do war right. We can't do diplomacy right. That's all that they're saying. Instead, we're just going to send guns to children. Fucking spineless. Stupid. So there's that. Now, on a positive note, our friend Darling Mickey weighed in and said, Hey there, love the show and the progressive candidates. I'm trying very hard to find them in Florida. So unfuckers, rather than us uh, dig through uh, Ballotpedia and try to unearth all the progressive Dems. By the way, all the progressive websites are really out of date. Just letting everybody know that they're just, they're very, they're, they're just all fucked up. Well, you have a favorite candidate. You have I, a favorite politician in Florida, do. right? Ron DeSantis. He's the best. Mini Trump. I shall call him Mini Me. Oh. Do you think that's his angle? He wants his own palace. That's why he wants to take over Disney. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Just thinking about it, him replacing all the statues of Walt Disney with himself. Hmm. Who's his little Mickey Mouse? It's a small brain. Good, good his one. Mickey Mouse. His little. His little hmm. son. The one that in the thing where he was like, and then Trump said in the oh, video we played. He was reading to him. Yeah. Oh God. How embarrassing that has to be for him now that Trump's shitting all over him. They don't see it like that. They don't get embarrassed. And that's what they have over us. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Such a great point. Well, if anybody knows of a true progressive candidate running in Florida, post it on our Facebook, write in to us, and we'll announce it in the next show notes. We'll try to get some some steam and some momentum because we actually have a lot of of sunfuckers down in Florida. Sunfuckers. Just right off the top of my head, just like that. Okay. Right? I could say mouse fuckers, but... People who fuck the sun. Yeah. Mm, hey, uh, I don't know about that. It may read right, but it doesn't quite sound so good. And Leslie O sent in a topic suggestion for J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI. I think we can add this guy to the fuck them list. For sure. For He's sure. He's the worst. He's not as bad as Henry Kissinger. But he's pretty bad. And he's not as enduringly influential as Milton Friedman. Say it loud, say it with me, yo, fuck Milton Friedman. I would argue that more people, I'm going to use the term layman, I, I would argue more laymen have heard of J. Edgar Hoover. A hundred percent. Even More he, notorious. Yeah. Not nearly as influential and not enduringly so. Yeah. But belongs in the lexicon of fuck them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's emails. So let's head over to social. 99, kick us off on the Facebooks, if you will. Aaron, he said, the Democratic waxworks, geriatrics, and corporate shills have to go. And so do the racists, or capitalism is finished because the U.S. empire and all its men can't contain the level of utter frustration that will be generated on this planet. Here, here, Aaron. And Ethan G. said, great episode. Can Uncle... Uncle. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. Can Uncle Gnome give us a shout-out soon? It's been a minute. Yeah, give up. Are we giving him a shout-out or is he giving us a shout-out? Ethan wants Uncle Gnome to shout us out. I know. How do we make that happen? I don't know. Email him. <laughs> you said he answers emails. He does. It's, it's the craziest thing. Dear Mr. Gnome Chomsky... I don't know if I can appear on Unfucking the Republic. That's good. Thanks. And now our old friend, Debbie L., had some criticism for us. But I think it was misplaced. Let me explain. Debbie L. said, good start. You're a bit late to the party. Agreed. 
The Democratic Party has been far more instrumental in obstructing everything good, everything worthy, everything decent to fight for in this country. And way worse, way off your radar states like New Jersey, which are purportedly blue, are instrumental in the complete and total destruction. It's by design. It's something even progressives don't notice. And it's stunning that you're finally writing or podcasting about it. So I'm only saying that I think it was misplaced because we've been saying it, I think, from the beginning that the Democratic establishment is just as responsible for tearing apart any sort of progressive ideas or progress writ large in this country. More to the point in Debbie's other comments, she was talking about how we don't understand how evil Gottheimer is and how shitty New Jersey is as a result of it and how the establishment there just props up these centrist I'll say center-right Democrats. But that was actually the entire point of the episode, was to say that beware the ascension of people like Josh Gottheimer in very safe, very well-heeled blue districts like you have in New Jersey. That would, for many in the country, he'd be considered, again, a coastal elite. But don't even give him credit for that. The fact of the matter is that he votes red, and I mean really red. So 50% of his votes were with Donald Trump during Trump's tenure. He falls in the middle of the red spectrum on the ideology vote chart. That's Josh Gottheimer. So my point of it was to actually say, beware the Gottheimer left because it's not left at all. So anyway, I just want to make that clear, Debbie, that yes, we're a little late to the game, but that's only because we started doing this a year and a half ago. And I think we are seeing it exactly the same. Do you remember the commercials after Hurricane Sandy from New Jersey? <laughs> the Chris Christie ones. Where he's hugging Obama? The Stronger Than the Storm commercials. It no. had a song. It was like, we're stronger than the storm. <laughs> just... Oh, that's right. That reminds me. Hey, fuck New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> but it was my favorite commercial for a while. I just, this song made me laugh every time. It's in our It drives me nuts that so many Jersey fuckers write into the show and they're so nice. I hate it. It's almost like it's all fake and we're all just one America. No, but we're not. We're 49 states and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And they just I'll be I'll be the Jersey liaison. Okay. You'll be the you, so I'll, you'll be the ambassador to New Jersey. I will. I'll do that for them and for you. I don't want to lose them. Okay. They're an important constituent. I know. Let's see. I know. So let's head over to Twitter. Had a little back and forth, which is rare. I actually logged onto Twitter and I saw a great comment from at Old Turk who said, quote, thoughts on Jayapal and Progressive Caucus not supporting at Nina Turner for Congress. We had a little back and forth. Actually, do you have it up 99? Can you read what I wrote and then what Old Turk wrote? Yes. So and by you- the way, Old Turk, you have to understand how monumental this was that I was able to open up the Twitters and then. And then reply without, like, you know, sending it as, as a DM to somebody when I, by accident. When I, I just saw it now when, when Old Turk replied, and I literally, I went and checked, like, what else did he do? <laughs> it was just that. Was I he swear, talking it was to? just that. <laughs> going to mess up my friends. <laughs> so you said, it's angering. CPC seems to have been outplayed by Brown & Co. in every way. Once again, the only one with enough courage to endorse Turner is Bernie. Long-term, Jayapal still my pick for House Leader, but DC is besting her now. And then Old Turk replied just now and said, 
It's mistakes like this and the uncoupling of the Build Back Better and It's Fuck For Sure Bill that make me think she doesn't have the political bravery or skill to be a leader. People that have shown leadership are Cori Bush, Turner outside DC so far, and Bernie, of course. And I'm laughing because I just did five takes of that because <laughs> my brain stopped working. Not at your tweet, old Turk. I'm, I'm, I am totally, not totally on board. I am very much on board, but still leaving a little wiggle room for Jayapal because it, we'll just take it, take it one by one. The uncoupling of the bills allowed them to pass Build Back Better in the House. And Jayapal is not a senator. I think she was, I think she got fucked by the White House and I think she got fucked by the Senate Democrats for sure. She took the fight as far as she could possibly take it, risking that the House wouldn't even pass Build Back Better. But she did her part and she got that done. Should she have uncoupled those bills? Well, she had the momentum for a while, but I don't think ultimately she was going to have the votes or the momentum to play it all the way through. It seemed like it for a little while, and that's why we were so enthusiastic about it. But ultimately, yes, I think she got fucked. I think she learned some very hard rules about the Beltway and ran into the buzzsaw that is Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And Biden was all too happy to see her efforts fail because we know he has no interest in seeing the progressives succeed at all. So I like Cori Bush. I'll take, again, Jamie Raskin, Rokana, Cori Bush. I love Ayanna Presley, as you know. I think AOC is too much of a, um, a lightning rod to be able to be the leader. I think that the, the right would love that and eat that up. And I'm not saying that she wouldn't do an effective job. As a matter of fact, I hope someday she's my senator. And I hope she actually winds up in the Senate and takes Schumer's position or takes anyone, either one of them, takes Gillibrand or Schumer's position for that matter. I was driving behind a car the other day that had an AOC for president sticker, but it was 2020. I was like, she wasn't even old enough. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. weird. Yeah, not a thing. <laughs> so Old Turk has, has uh, but on this issue, not supporting Nina Turner. So the cover that Jaya Paul and the CPC used was that... Brown joined the Progressive Caucus. Now, Brown also joined the New Democrat Coalition. So she's playing both sides against the middle. Jayapal's stance was, we're trying not to eat our own and trying not to go against our... So we already have somebody who aligns with the progressives on paper only, Old Turk. I get it. Believe me, on paper only. But she would be seen, I guess the calculus is that she would be seen as going against one of her own for somebody who is unproven and outside. I think it's all bullshit. I don't agree with the position. And like I said, Bernie had the courage to say, nope, fuck that. She's not a progressive. She's a new Democrat. That's how she votes. That's how she presents. And that's how she raises money. So no, she's not my candidate. Nina Turner is. Uh, I just, I, you know, they're not perfect, this caucus. Be that as it may, we still need numbers. We have to get closer to being able to just have our way with legislation across the board. And for that, we need more and not more fake progressives like Brown. We need more true progressives like Turner. But I thought that your question was a good one, was a pointed one, and there's a lot of merit to it. I'm still going to bet long term that Jayapal learned many valuable lessons these last couple of years, most notably that uh, Nancy Pelosi cannot be trusted, that the White House is working against progressives all the time in every way possible, 
and that, you know, we need the numbers to have our way. But Pelosi's progressive. She said so. I'm the progressive. <laughs> Jesus. Did you hear Biden at the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Yeah. You know, doing some, he's a cool guy, doing some ribbon, making fun of himself, calling himself old, mm-hmm. making fun of Republicans. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's yep. got, he's on our side. He's a funny guy. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Nothing like listening to mass murderers joke around. I did think that the... Trevor Noah? Yeah, he's fine. But I thought what he did in his turn at the end and being able to turn it on all of them and say, you know, so imagine all of the, the good Russian journalists in your position. How would they behave? And it, the room was pretty silent because, well, fuck the establishment core, the establishment press. Who else do we got here on the Twitters? <laughs> I didn't mean to deflate you. Sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I don't like the theater of it all. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And that dinner could, it should just go away, in my opinion. But they love it. They love rubbing elbows. And they'll use the cover. Well, that's how we get access. That's how you get access to the press releases that they give you. You're right. You'll be first on the fucking list to get the press release from the War Department. Mm-hmm. Here's the Department of Defense. I'm in on the inside. I got the press release before you did. It's basically the same as... In the family, the prayer breakfast. Yeah. It's like the other side of the coin there. Yeah. It's all charade. A charade. That's it for. Okay. Um, <laughs> so next on Twitter, Lost at C369 said, I absolutely love this podcast. Cannot state it enough. It's creative, educated, and hilarious. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. Because I, I can't read Twitter handles for some reason. Because if I was going to read that just now, if we'd flip-flop that, I'd be, lo- I'd be like, Lost at Sia. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with my brain. I'm so literal. You're just so quirky. (laughs) Shut up. Well, I didn't separate the next one, so you can read that. I can't. Well, sound it out. I'll be dad. I don't know what this is. I'll be C dad? Something like that. You know the cool history teacher that swore during class and sold dime bags out of his VW Beetle on the weekends? He's got a podcast at UNFTR Pod. Cursing definitely included. If you prefer to read, check out the Substack, and then they left the link for it. Free 99 is a very good price. See, Albk Dad was following your instructions and promoting the fuck out of us. Thank you for that promotion. Yeah, and he said you sold drugs to children. Well, you know. It was different time. Diff- yeah, different time. I was a man of my time. Picturing the the professor from Animal House. Did you see that, uh, the new VW van? The one that they've been saying they're going to, it's like every year they're like, Back on, we're gonna do it, and they never come out with it. Oh, did they not come out with it? Is it out? I thought it was. It's, it's been like a six-year thing. Oh, because our my friend, people always send it to her when it resurfaces, and I remember saying it to her once. She's like, it never comes. They always say it's coming, it never comes out. Being like, we're gonna do it. It's gonna be a new model. First of all, it's forty thousand dollars. That's pretty affordable, right? Starting price forty thousand. It's called the Buzz. That's stupid. Yeah, and it's gonna be unveiled to the world. Oh, it was unveiled to the world. On March 9th. This, of this year? Mm-hmm. Unveiled or available? <laughs> there is a difference. <laughs> Very good point. Okay. They should sell mystery oh, machines. Here you go, 2024. There you go. See, it <laughs> never right. fucking comes. <laughs> it never comes. Holy shit. Yeah. Huh. It's an EV crossover. Okay. I just feel like it's an upgraded way for pedophiles to get around. What? Why would you even say that? Because it's like, oh, here's the pedophile van. Let's make it colorful. No, that wasn't the pedophile van. I know. I said upgraded. Jesus. If I was a pedophile, I would pick that one. Oh, but you're not, and so you won't. And uh, who's next on Twitter? <laughs> we're, we're out of Twitters. Okay, Instagram? <laughs> Good Lord. 
<laughs> you were thinking it. I was not. <laughs> so on Instagram, Rahelio C wrote in and said, Hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. And although I wasn't hip to some of the language, as well as some of the references, I now am getting better the more I listen to the podcast. I want to say that I really feel both of your passion and honesty by way of the research and hard work you put in to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And so I appreciate the vigor with which you come across all the topics I've listened to. So thank you to Rogelio. And on Substack, Andrew L. left a comment said, I can't deny it. This was one of the most depressing, unfucking essays so far. Some conspiracies are not theories. And LCG said, well, that was depressing, but thank you for that incredible information. I'm going to throw up now. So like I said, we had everything in between. No shit, Sherlock. And wow, that was depressing. I'm going to go throw up. But thank you for engaging with us on Substack. We really had a fuck ton of new sub fuckers come through after 99 reinforced the idea that, hey, it's always going to be free. And this is where we can have conversations. This is where we can get together. We can also tell you that we have reinvigorated the code, the discount code for subfuckers. So we're going to send that email out after this show drops, letting you know the discount code for subfuckers to get a discount on coffee. Speaking of coffee, mm -hmm. but the other type of coffee. The, the real coffee? The fake coffee. Yeah. Oh, the membership coffee. The membership coffee. At buymeacoffee.com slash UNFTR? Yes, sir. What about it? We've got some new members. Come on. Yeah. Well, let me hear them. Okay. Christian Z is now a member. Wait, the all Christians? The Christian nation? Yes. Christian Z. We must be rich. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're, they heard we're doing a religion episode, but they're probably going to revoke their membership after. My guess is that'll be the end of that. Well, that'll be short-lived. Well, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Christian Z. <laughs> and David MJ is now a member. This is the nearest thing to a perfect podcast I've ever encountered. Wow. I think of it as things I always wished I knew, but was too lazy or befuddled to figure out for myself. Listening to Max and 99's conversations might be my favorite parasocial experience ever. <laughs> That's right now. That's so, really incredible. It's like David MJ is here with us. David MJ also gave a big shout out to Tom McGovern, by the way, which we love because yes. Tom is just so fucking talented. Yes. Tiffany G is also a member, said, thank you for the Earl Bloom in our love. See, there's some bloomies out there. Bloom fuckers. Some, there's some bloom fuckers out there. We have 99 has officially anointed you bloom fuckers. <laughs> Welcome to the fold, bloom fuckers. Jason S is now a member. Love you guys. Sorry it took me so long to get around to this. Don't no. apologize. Seriously, it's Never. not a problem. Yeah, Thank you did you. it. And the other Kevin B is now a member as well. I don't think we have a Kevin B. No? No. Didn't ring a bell to me either. <laughs> yeah. We might have a Kevin, but we don't have a Kevin B. But this person, Kevin B, is just the other Kevin B. So, okay. Yeah, love it, man. Well, Kevin says, propaganda, the BS, is the worst pandemic in this country. We need to get this information to the MAGA masses. I've been talking to people phone banking for Fetterman. Very cool. My worst fears about people are still being exceeded each day. I'm being... Oh. Okay, so, yeah. So, Kevin is phone banking for Fetterman. Yo, you're doing the Lord's work. Oh. This is... Yeah, this is wild. So, Kevin is being called a pedophile daily. Does he have um, a VW van? No, I'm sure <laughs> Kevin doesn't have a VW. Um, that is really scary. This, this uh, grooming... Pedophile, if you support Democrats, then you keep, you know, children in pizza parlor basements narrative. How fucking stupid are people? It's not even honestly that that's like the the Pizzagate portion of it is isn't even a thing anymore. I mean, it is among the cues and whatever, but it's just regular people claiming that talking about people 
a kid having two dads or two moms or a non-binary parent, that's grooming. But, yeah. you know, telling your kids about fucking Adam and Eve, <laughs> you know, as the... That's not indoctrination. The prototypical woman and man, that's not... It's just fucked up. It's like, okay, well, if... If we shouldn't teach kids about gender identity or other or <laughs> any sexuality, then we should everyone should be non-binary and kids shouldn't have pronouns. There you go. And like, the only thing true about that book was that woman ruined it for man. Yeah, of course. That book. <laughs> that book. Mm, fuck you. Uh, well, Brennan phone. No, mm-hmm. Brennana phone bought five coffees. Thank you for your helpful as fuck podcast. Now I don't sound as much like a fucking idiot when it's my time to talk politics to back up my progressive worldview. Brananaphone, you probably never sounded like an idiot, but if we are contributing to you elevating your diatribes when you're yelling at people, then I'm pleased. Dan C. bought five coffees. Oh man, I can't believe 99 wants to send us all to the carousel once we hit 75. That's just some dystopian shit there. I'm sending these coffees to 99 to curry a little favor before Judgment Day. Just in case you don't get the reference, it comes from the movie Logan's Run, where once you hit 30, you go to the carousel to, quote, be renewed. The upside is she set the age much higher than the movie. That was actually, I would say, benevolent of you. Yeah, 75, it's like it's you live run. three centuries. Nope, what's the one I'm looking for? Three quarters of a century. Three quarters of a century. It's a good run. <laughs> you live three centuries. That's how math works, That's right? It's a seriously good run. Yeah. Yes. I, all men should be then killed at 300. Noah. Yes. Uh, also in that book. That book. Noah was 320 years old oh, when he true? fucking collected the animals. Come on. I've never on. read I've never read a Bible, sorry. That's all right. I did have, you know how they like put Bibles in hotel rooms and stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they still do that, by the way. Uh, just so you know, I've been staying in a lot of American cities recently. Uh, I was in Los Angeles. I was just recently in New Orleans a couple times and uh the unfortunate city that is Albuquerque. Uh, this is all within the last few months. And I believe in each of these cases, there were Bibles. I know that in New Orleans, where I was just at, there was a Bible and a Book of Mormon. I think I've seen sometimes they'll put a thing in and they ask you what book you want, which is kind of nice. Oh, how woke. Yeah. You can get the Torah. They have like the whole thing. (laughs) The giant scroll comes to your (laughs) room. (laughs) Um, But we one time when we were like kids, we were away somewhere. And, you know, it's like funny to read from the Bible and make fun of it. And one of my friends opened it and was reading something. And she said something, 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 quote, dictatis. And I said, what did you just say? And I took the book and it was dictates. And she pronounced it dictatis. Ge- I love that. Like genuinely. We were 14. <laughs> she, you were past the point where she should know how to pronounce dictate. Astro Vandalism sent in my favorite comment of the week after purchasing, purchasing four coffees for us. Said, quote, it's only four coffees, but that's five coffees in Canadian dollars, eh? <laughs> Thank you. And, oh, we had a couple reviews. Because, again, when 99 says hop fucking to it, people get hopping. Because I'm scary. You are scary. Yeah. So let us have it. Okay. What'd they say you about You have us? to say this first name. Cock-a-doody one. <laughs> <laughs> Intelligent, informative, and entertaining. Everyone should listen to this podcast. Thanks. Then Bake Roto said, love this one so much. It's smart, informative, educational, inspiring, profane, irreverent, funny, and has great original music and is well-researched and well-produced. That's really awesome. Appreciate you. And then B. Dudlick said, Great episode. Does anyone know the source of the speech by the Vietnam War vet that is played at the end? Yes. That is Coming Home. And that's John Voigt giving the uh, speech, which is so crazy. Yeah. Because now he's such a dickhead. Yeah, bad guy. Yeah. 
I just want B. Dudley to know people can't, we can't re- respond to you on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, we would have. Right. So we're doing it here. And everything's I always. I said right like I knew that. Right. Of course. <laughs> everything's <laughs> always linked on the episode page. So if you're ever curious about a clip, it's there if you didn't know. Well, thanks. Appreciate that. I wasn't telling you. I hoped you knew by now. I, I, I always learn when you speak. You see, so you did. I didn't it. know you could, couldn't, could or couldn't respond to people on a, on an app. You know, I'm not in the Apple universe. I you, know, which is very that's sad. That's not true. Well, partially in the Apple universe, but I, my, my mobile self is still in Android land. Yeah, we're getting closer though. No, you're not. You've made a few. You've made a few comments. Not I'm, getting closer. That's it's a lie, and you know it's true. I'm just waiting. For my BlackBerry to power up. I'm going to use that again. BlackBerry is defunct. No, never defunct. No, they literally are. They don't make phones anymore. But my BlackBerry will work. It's in my desk drawer. I really, I have it still. I had a BlackBerry Best typing experience grade. ever. In eighth grade. Yeah. I got to use one you off it two eBay. years ago? <laughs> it was that blue one. And I had Brick Breaker. That was yes. the best game. Yes. That's basically why I got it. But I looked really cool. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't have data, so I can't be on BBM or whatever the fuck it was called. I found it very strange, like when, when Obama took office and they were all using Blackberries. I was like, hmm, that's kind of crazy. As opposed to what? Any other phone. Like that it was it's still oh. it was always the most secure phone. Like once they all went to the White House, mm. they were using Blackberries. You know, Palm Pilots. Were those phones? Or those just little I don't think assistants. you could talk on the Palm Pilot now. They're no. cool, though. They have a little stylus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. This so that's is it. it? This is it. The have, last show ever. Have we <laughs> Have we figured how to conclude these? I forget. We make a list of things, I think. About, well, we can add bloom fuckers, right? I guess so. So we're thanking the unfuckers. The subfuckers. Euro fuckers. Plant fuckers. Unkanuckers. Down under fuckers. Kiwi fuckers. Bloom fuckers. You didn't start with it, so I can I can claim it. Oh, I know. I'm staring at, at you blankly. Fish fuck unfuckers with a ph. I decided. I know I cl- I call them uh, fish fuckers, but I think it should be un u n p h u c k e r s. Yeah, it's great for audio ninety nine. Yeah, unfuckers. You always be able to tell. Right, you're but you're okay with sun fuckers. Unpahuckers. Mm-hmm. Unfuckers. Say it like that. Um. We need to write these down. No, I think it's more fun this way. Try and remember them all. But yeah. there's going to be some unfucking universe out there that's like, hey, they forgot us. Um, all right, so we got a... Plant fuckers. Do we get that one? I think you said those. Okay. We try, go- try to think of McGovern's bad You rap. know, we have people who are like, you know, like Wisco fuckers. We have some like casual yeah. ones. Yep, yep. But we don't have, you know, I don't think they're in the mainstay yet because mm. it's not sweeping enough. Right. I think that's kind of the delineation. Right. All right. So we got the Aussies. We got the uh, New Zealanders. Got the uh, Canadians. We got the uh, the Europeans in there. Yeah, I think we got it. Plant fuckers. Yeah. 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 Well, bloom fuckers. I mean, is it rude to start bloom fuckers without having oh, Bernie fuckers? Bottle fuckers. Oh, bottle fuckers. Pitch fuckers. Pack fuckers. Yeah. Of course, of course. We, should we talk about the email we got of the girl who asked why we don't talk about the Young Turks anymore? Did we get that email? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, well, I, I just have I've been meeting to answer. It. Okay. So should we answer it? What? Well, we at the beginning, early in the show, we would promote the Young Turks, and we, you know, we did some ads on their network, and mm-hmm. we don't really talk about them anymore. Why not? The Young Turks. The Young Turks.
Um, <laughs> well, it was a directive by me, <laughs> sort of. I don't think we have the same vibe anymore. I think that they're a little bit too twitter worry and sometimes mm. say silly things that aren't necessary. Yeah, I don't love the independent platform man battles. Yeah. You know, yeah, like just like, like can, the Jimmy Dore. Yeah. Uh, you know, majority report goes down that. he's also not a good person. Jimmy Dore's terrible. So, besides besides that part of it just to yeah but they're all they're all at each other and i i think it's distracting um david, yes. david stays out of the out of the mix i a think lot. so too um he seems to have elevated beyond it majority report spends too much time on it for for my taste um but i i love i love sam and emma i i think it's a, a quality show and they're out there so much and they've been attacked by these other shows so i guess it's sort of like in return but like the the whole uh, you know, Steven Crowder versus Majority Report versus Young Turks versus Anna Kasparian. Kind of, it's just, it's so, it's, it's just noisy. Such, I yeah. think that was the good way to describe it. Is yeah. we're not really, we don't want to engage in that noise. We like to be productive. We don't really want to shit on other people who are doing the same work or similar work. So rather than, that's if why you don't, look at like a best of the left. I mean, yeah. all Jay and Amanda do is uplift the left and the yeah. best dialogue from it, and they stay out of the bullshit. Yeah. Right now, I don't really agree with the way they're going about engaging with the community. So that's kind of why we 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 have no beef with them. Like no, 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 no. we like Anna and Jank. Yeah, I mean, Jank built a, a, an empire. Yeah. For the left, totally, and gave a voice to the left, and has a little bit of that. You know, the badassery and the snark that we were talking about, like the, you know, I don't give a fuck what you have to say. But when it becomes more of that and less about the substance, it, it, it just becomes exhausting. And that's, uh, you know, a good example of why you're, we are anonymous, you mostly, but like, that's a, that's a person instead of the message now. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But it gets into who we do like. And I'll say that I do, I really respect David Pakman. I love what he does. I love how he presents. I think he's a very thoughtful uh, he's he's also a brilliant businessman. I mean, he's created like a mini empire for himself, which is kind of cool. I personally love now there's going to be some probably some pro-Israel listeners out there that don't love this selection. But I love Abby Martin because I think she does incredible on the ground journalism, especially the stuff that she's done with Telesur in South America has been pretty game changing. I like Richard Wolf and Economic Update. Pitchfork Economics. Pitchfork Economics. Obviously. I like David McWilliams. Best of the Left. Best of the Left. Naomi Klein does not have a podcast, but I, God, I wish she did. Citations Needed. I don't listen to Citations Needed, but I know you love them. I just I gotta started. dig into that. Yeah. Laura Flanders. Brilliant. Wonderful. These are the people that aren't trying to juice their paid Substack subscriptions or Twitter followers. I think it's okay to it's okay to make money off of your work. So I don't want to cast aspersions for people. Do you, when you say juice, do you mean antagonize, or do you mean like get get something out of it? What, which what's your definition here? My definition is that they know by going after one another that they're going to steal followers and then be able to encourage their followers to pay them more. Okay. To so they can juice their rankings versus the other Got person. It. I so thought you were I wanna be I wanna do better than Michael Knowles. You gotta help us get there because right, he's okay. a, such a fucker. Like you know, Laura Flanders isn't engaging in that bullshit. Rick Wolf's not doing that. Like 
you know, these are serious people. And and again, like Pitchfork Economics or David McWilliams, like these are, you would never find them engaging in that type of that type of nonsense. So anyway, David does he does upload screenshots of people who send him like angry emails, which they make me laugh. Yeah, it'll be like you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. You should kill yourself. And he's like, wow, thanks. <laughs> so those those are funny. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the answer there. I'll, I'll email that person. I'll let them know if they're not listening, hopefully. But there you go. no bad blood, just... I say be like Jay and Amanda. Different ideology. Uplifting. Uplifting the left all the time, never not. Yeah, and then remember, kill all white men at 75. Good Jesus, here we are again. I tried on fuckers. <laughs> I really did, but... Murder fuckers. Wow. We'll see you next week. I hope. <laughs> there's, some, there's some white dudes I like that are 75. Earl's getting real close. I know. Poor Earl. <sighs> Hello. I'm Congressman Earl Blumenauer. Oh, Bloomfuckers, get your love in now. Yeah. 99 coming. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Provide my power.